Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Hey, great to see each of you. Um, as you can tell, I think you can tell, I'm a little dry. It just happened to me. I don't know what's going on. So uh, somebody don't want me to declare this today, I don't think. So um, I'm going to battle through that and... Uh, Somebody might be on a water alert for me. Uh, so what we've done over the last several weeks is I did the State of the Church address and uh, the first week of the new year, and then last week, we just kind of looked at giving as a whole. Basically, we looked at the word mammon, okay, because mammon is a spirit that tries to be in competition with God, that tries to squash what God's saying. And so, oh, you're a good man. Thank you. I'll remember your great deed. Um, And today, I'm going to begin today looking at uh, the purpose statements of our church. And we have four purpose statements, and there's a little game that we're playing out there on social media and and everything. If you can name them, okay, uh, holler at the person who kind of heads our little social media type stuff, and uh, you just win this incredible prize. I'm pretty sure it's going to be incredible. But a lot of people come to church, and a lot of people come to our church here uh, at the Church of Bush, and they don't even know the purpose statements. And the purpose statement's very, 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 very important, okay? A purpose statement answers the following questions. What is your purpose? It's a good thing to ask. It's a good thing to answer. Why do you do what you do? I think it's always good to ask a church, why do you do what you do? Why, why, why do we do what we do? And what do you want to accomplish? Because sometimes we just start doing stuff and don't even know why we do it. You ever walked up to a group of junior high kids that are doing something and go, what are y'all doing? We don't know. Why are you doing it? We don't know that either. What do you hope to accomplish? I, I don't know. I want to go, why are you here? And they don't know that either. So, but, but a lot of people do a lot of things. They don't even know why they're doing them. There has never been a man that goes hunting that doesn't know why they just went out there. Okay? They went to hunt. Okay? Now, their wives might think they went for different reasons, but they really didn't just go to get away from their wives. They went to hunt. Okay? They went to hunt. A church ought to know why it does what it does. And so I, I, I want to look at John chapter 4. If you have your Bible, I want you to go there. We're going to be there the whole time, okay? And I want to walk through John 4 because John 4 is why you do church. Have you ever looked at John 4 and go, wow, John 4 is just flat out church? It's just church. It's just church. Acts 2 is what you want your church to be. New Testament church. That's Acts 2. But John 4 is why you do church. The whole encounter is church. 
And so the first purpose statement for our church is know God, K-N-O-W, know God. That's why we do what we do. We don't do it for any other reason. We do it so people can know God. Why do those little guys go to kindergarten worship? Why do they go to children's church over here? Okay, kids impact, why? Because we know that there begins a journey of knowing God. God's word tells us that no one comes to know you, goes, comes to know the Lord, unless the spirit himself draws him. So there's a drawing of everybody to God. And so the number one thing that we do at the church at Bushland is we want people to know God, to know God. The church should be a church where people meet God. Not only meet God, but encounter a living God that changes their life and they're never the same again. If your church or any church has their doors open and it's not about the lost world, they should shut their doors. Because church is not about entertaining the church, it's about reaching the lost. And when the church loses its focus on what it's there for, it ceases to become or be what God ordained it to be. And then God's hand automatically comes off that church. Because if all they're going to do is just love on each other and tell each other how wonderful they are and pass out cotton candy, I'm going to tell you right now, God's gone. He's gone. Because he does not need to be a part of a church where they don't need God to do anything. If everything a church can do, the church can do without God, what's the point of God being there? I don't want to go to a church where the staff and the pastors can do the dog and pony show without any help from God. God ought to take me out for that. I want to be a part of a church that every single Sunday, every single time we meet, God does something that I can't even describe that it blows my mind. I'm left in awe, speechless. And the only thing I can say when people come up to me and they say, well, man, what happened Sunday? Dude, I, God, I don't, I don't even want to tell you. You shouldn't miss church. That's all I'm saying. Well, I was sick. Well, I understand, okay? But you shouldn't miss it because things happen, okay? I'm talking about... Not the American God or the American culture God. I'm not talking about that God. I'm not talking about a denominational God, and I'm not trying to throw denominations under the church by any stretch of the imagination. And I'm not talking about kind of a religious God. I'm talking about the one true living God of the Bible. That's the God I want people to meet. I don't want to meet any other God because all the other gods that I just named cause a lot of confusion and hurt. There's a lot of reasons why people don't go to church because they met those kind of gods. I'm going to tell you, I've sat in churches, and I, I knew that what I just saw was not God. Was not God. And fortunately for me, I didn't just get mad and go sell insurance or cars or give up on God. I knew the God of the Bible and I prayed and asked that, God, that you would raise up a New Testament, God-fearing, God-honoring church today that people come and see an authentic God do authentic things that the world and life and situations can't wipe off of them. 
that it's a God thing that goes with them forever. And we have had people in this church come in and encounter a living God, and they've never, ever, ever will be the same again, ever. John 4 is just church, and we're going to look at it. Acts 2 is what the church needs to be like. So I want you to go to John chapter 4. And I'm not going to read the whole entire thing, but we are going to look at many, 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 many parts of that scripture, okay? John 4 is an encounter with Jesus and a woman from Samaria. Jesus has been on a journey. He's been tired. He goes to a well, okay, called Jacob's well, okay? He is at the well, okay, and a woman walks up to him, okay? I want to pick up when that happens. Verse, let's go six. Now, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, set, set thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. If you want your own Bible, just write noon, all right, 12 noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. I'm going to stop right there. Woman walks up, 12 noon. Most people draw water early or late. Don't draw it at 12 noon. That woman didn't want to be seen by nobody. Waiting for everybody to leave. Walks up to the well. Before she can even utter a word, Jesus says this, give me a drink. Jesus says exactly what that woman's thinking. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly what you and I have thought before. Anybody in here have been thirsty? Mm. Spiritual thirsty? You ever sat down with the word and said, mm. you got to give me a drink. You got to give me a drink. I am parched here. I I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. This woman was thirsty. She needed a drink so bad, she didn't even know how to ask it. Jesus knew she wasn't going to ask it, so he asked it for her. And then look what else happens. For his disciples have gone away into the city to buy food. Then a woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, underline that, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. If you knew who it was in the gift of God, what is the gift of God? The gift of God is simply eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, shall never perish, but have everlasting life. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died. 
for us. The gift of God. If you knew who it was in the gift of God. What that woman needed was the gift of God. She knew she needed it. She didn't know how to ask that. So Jesus said, I'll ask for you. Can I just tell you that sometimes when Jesus is drawing you to himself, he speaks for you. And we'll see it in just a little bit. He goes on and says, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. I want you to flip over a couple of pages in your Bible to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. <clears throat> I want you to look at verses 37 and 38. John 7, 37, 38. On this last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38. He who believes in me, as scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. The woman is absolutely parched and dry and doesn't have anything in her. And Jesus simply says, if you knew the gift I had, the gift of God, you would ask me and I'd give it to you. I'd give you living water. I'd give you living water and it would just well up in you. It would just well up in you. Keep rolling. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then will you get this living water? It's a good question. Verse 12, are you greater than our father's Jacob who gave us of the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? In my Bible, I just wrote, yes. <laughs> what else are you supposed to write? I mean, here she is. She's basically just saying it. She's basically declaring his greatness. She's basically not even knowing who he is, is declaring he is the one true God. Are you greater than all this other stuff? Are you deeper than the well? Can you go get water that we can't even see? It's so deep. What are you going to draw with? I don't even have any means to do it. But how are you going to do that? Are you greater than Jacob? Are you greater than the fathers? Are you greater than everybody else? If, if he was really cocky and arrogant right now, he'd be like, mm-hmm, I sure am. That's like some rookie getting drafted. First thing he says is, I'm going to rush for 2,000 yards this year. Well, never had a rookie do that. And they ain't ever had a rookie like me. All right? I mean, a veteran NFL guy is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let me find out when we play them. I'm about to shut him up, all right? That kind of stuff. I mean, Jesus could have popped off right here, but no, 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 no. He didn't. Eleven and 12 remind us of a couple of things. We overthink this thing called salvation. We just overthink it. We, we try to get all this stuff to add up. We try to fill in all our blanks. We try to make it make sense. We try to ask other people what they should think we should do. And we're trying to do all this kind of stuff. And Jesus is like, this is not, I don't, I'm not asking you to fill in blanks. I'm not asking you to get approval from everybody else. I'm not asking if your girlfriend will break up on you if you go with me. I'm just asking you 
to quit overthinking it. You are lost. You are blind. You are hopeless. You have no purpose. I've come to give you living water. You never got to come in here again. You never have to. You just got to receive the water I'm offering you. Quit thinking about it. Quit analyzing it. Quit discussing it. Quit asking other people what they're doing. You can't compare. That's not your ruler. That's not your yardstick. That's not who you compare to. You met Jesus. Jesus is speaking to you at your well. How long are you going to keep trying to manufacture all this stuff when it's all about me? We're trying to do it. We try human effort. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say this. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift from who? God. Not of what? Works. So that what? No man can boast. There ain't no ladder on the cross. You ain't going to climb up there and work for it. You don't climb the cross. You bow at it. It's bull about working for something and trying to earn it and trying to be good enough and giving human effort. Listen, you don't have to draw from a well. He is the well. You don't have to find a cup. He'll serve you out of his hand. Drink this. Living water. Listen, if you could earn it, you could lose it. Everything you earn, you lose. That's why we have alarm systems on everything we own. Because people are going to come in and steal something we've earned. Listen to me. Salvation is a free gift. By grace, you didn't do it. You can't do anything good enough. You can't look good enough, smell good enough, eat right, talk right, be right. You can't do nothing. You come help us, broken, messed up, jacked up, ugly. You come to the cross. Jesus says, I'll make you what you think you can't be. It's free. Don't get in your eyes. I got to come to church. I got to pray. I got to read the Bible. Why? Because this is what people that say do. So if I look like them, smell like them, talk like them, I must be one of them. And all this effort of you trying and trying and trying and trying. And what happens at the end of the day? You're miserable. Because it's not in trying. It's in dying. He didn't say try to be a Christian. He said die. And I'll raise you up to be one. You can't be a Christian on your own. I promise you, you can't honk enough times for Jesus. You can't get enough bumper stickers. You can't wear the right T-shirt. You can't date the right girl. You can't be born the right family. You can't eat the right food. You can't do none of that stuff. That Mediterranean diet, Jesus might have ate it, but just because you eat it don't make you a Christian. I'm just saying, it's not something you can do. It's something, something you can do. We try religion. We go to church. We start going to church. Why are you going to church? Because people that are Christian go to church, and I know some friends that go to church, so I'm going to go to church. <laughs> we want you to go to church. Don't get me wrong. But what's happening here in John 4 is they went to church. Look how many people at church. Two. You say, I, didn't, I don't see this as church. You don't see this as church? You have a misconception of what church is. Can I help you with what church is? Here's church. You, Jesus. You got church. Me, in the presence of God. That's it. That's church. She didn't want no presence of God. 
She didn't think anybody would be there. And we'll see in a little while why she didn't want nobody to be there. Because he asked the very same question that she'd been dreading to answer, and nobody ever wanted to have it asked. So listen to me. If you got some concept that you're trying to get a stack over here bigger of good things and good works, then you're a stack over here of bad things and bad works. And if that stack is bigger than this works, then God will go, ooh, well done. Come on in. Mm-mm, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Because you're going to die with a big old stack of good things, and it's going to be bigger than your stack of bad things, and you're going to stand before God, and Jesus is the only one that can speak. And see, at this point, in a real sweet biblical way, God is saying, shut up. Just, just shut up. I, you, listen, you've had a chance to talk. You've had a chance to talk. Now my son's going to talk. Son, do we know him? You can't talk. And Jesus is going to turn to the father and say, no, sir. We don't know him. He's in church a lot. He sang pretty good too. He came to me with his lips, but his heart, far from me. Far from me. And God will simply say, away from me, I never knew you. See, he ain't asking, hey, son, what's his stacks look like? He got good stack, is it good stack higher than his, than his bad stack? He never asked about the stack. Do you see in scripture, does he ask about the stacks? Doesn't ask about the stacks. Not a half a chord, a full chord, chord and a half. Ain't no firewood stack here, all right? It is simply, did he ever, ever, ever drink the living water? Did he ever drink the living water? Verse 13, Mm. I want you to see what Jesus says to her. After she says, are you greater than this, greater than this? Can you get the water out of the well, la, la, la? Jesus answered her and said, whoever, whoever, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. She's still messed up. She's still about the physical. She's like trying to figure out how can he get water out of such a deep well. And he simply says, listen to me, sweetheart, even if he could get the water out, that's not what I'm talking about. That water won't do it. I don't know about the water in the well. She can't separate, all right? She can't separate, but oh, she's about to separate. Verse 14, Jesus, in the 13, whoever drinks this water will thirst again. Look at 14, starts with a big butt. But, that's a big one, whatever, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never, never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him will become in him or her a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. That's, mm, that's just some really good news, okay? And then look at 15. I love this. This is the church at Bushland's purpose statement, number one, in action. This is why we open the doors, right here. The woman said to him, sir, 
Give me this water that I may not thirst nor have to come here to draw. That's why you do church. So people can come in from however they come in, encounter a one true living God who offers living water, and they say, I am not going to look outside the walls. I'm not going to look outside anywhere else. I'm not going to try to manufacture it. I want you to give me the water so I'll never have to come here again. Listen to me. This church right here exists for one purpose and one purpose only, for people can know God. That's simply it. I don't care how you come in. Just come in. I don't care how messed up you think you are. Just come in. Because we're all messed up too. All right? The only thing good about us is Jesus, period. All right? Come in messed up. She came messed up. We're going to hear how messed up her life is just a little bit. She came messed up to the well for physical water and got spiritual water. She's never the same again. Revelation 3.20 says this. I mean, uh, Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Who's the I? It's Jesus. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Listen to me. Each one of us, we're all exactly the same. We have a heart. We have a doorknob on our heart. But that doorknob is not two ways. It's only on the inside. You cannot, you will not, you never have to let anybody into your heart unless you want to. And Jesus says, I will draw you with my spirit. I'll draw you. And then once I draw you to myself, I will knock. And I'll knock again. And I'll knock again. You say, we just keep on knocking? Nope. They're just going to keep on knocking. You're going to keep on knocking at a door that nobody ever opens? But he's knocking. My wife can account three specific times that he knocked. And the last time he knocked, she cashed in. He's knocking. He's drawing you. He wants to give you living water. He's there. All you got to do is open your heart and invite him to come in. He'll change you. He'll change you forever. I want to look at verse 18. He says this encounter with the woman. The woman answered and said, I want you to go up to 16. I want to skip it. Jesus says to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are well said. I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truthfully. 
Can I just say something to you? We are all trying to fill a void. See, we, we are born and we have a void in our hearts, in our lives. Every one of us got it. We all got it. Jesus is drawing us to him. He's knocking at the door. He wants you to open up the door of your heart. He wants to come in. You know where he's going? You know where he's going to take up root? You know where he's going to sit? You know the recliner? You know the couch? You know the table? It's that void. It's that spot that the Father picked out for him. It's going to sit right there. See, many of us have that. All of us have that. We all try to fill it with all kinds of things. Oh, if I drive the right truck, mm, I'll put a lift on it, put some 22s on that thing. Boy, that's it. No, that ain't it. Oh, if I can graduate from college and get this degree and make this much money, all I got to do is make this much money, six figures. Once I get to six figures, I'm, I'm done. Woo, I, I'll be so happy. Mm, come on. You got six, you're still miserable. Well, I just got to meet the right girl. Once you meet the right girl, that'd be it. So you date all these girls trying to plug that hole, plug that hole, plug that hole. Nope. You get married. You plug the hole with a wife. Mm, oh, we need kids. That's the problem. We just need some kids. Get some kids. That'll go. I'll plug it. That'll plug it. Try that one on. All right. Bath time. Hold this one. Change this one. Bath time. Hold this one. That one's up. This one's up. Feed this one. Put this one down. Clean this one. Oh, we're out of wives. We're out of diapers. Can't go get some formula. That did it. How's that void now? You're like, now that void's like a lake. All right. All this stuff we try. Well, I'll try church. All right, let's go try church. We just go to church, start dog and pony show. That's what church people do. Why are you doing that? Church people do it. Why are you tithing? I don't know. Church people do. They pastor said tithe. If you love Jesus, I'd tithe. All right? Listen to me. You try all that stuff, it ain't going to work. People plug all kind of stuff in there. Dress right, smell right, drive right, right house, right city, right environment, right home, square footage, hot tub. It don't matter. You put all of it in there. It's not going to work. not going to work. You're just going to be miserable with more stuff. The only thing that fits the spot is Jesus. She tried five men, bless her heart, the sixth cat. He's going to come to the house. That ain't going to work either. He's just getting used and abused. That ain't going to work. He can't do right either. The other five couldn't do it. Six was not going to do it. Seven wouldn't do it. Eight, nine, 10, 12, 15, 97. Said, None of them would do it. Because created things are not supposed to take the place where the creator is supposed to be. And see, some of you are trying it. I know you are. You're 48 years old. You've been trying it. You think you'll finally get there. My dad did too. On a jail cell floor, he figured out it ain't going to work. And he got on his knees and he cried out to God to save him. And at 48 years old, he's born again. You can try. My dad made six figures, worked his tail off. He gave us everything, man, more than he should have. He's a deacon. He tithed. He did all that stuff. He smelled like church, looked like church, lost. Lost. Let me ask a question to you. If God took away what you do, would you still know who you are? That's a very important question. If God took away what you do, would you still know who you are? See, some people don't know. Their identity isn't what they do. You take away what they do, they don't know who they are. So your identity is a king's kid. 
what you do is what you do. You do, you do that, you work at that as working for the Lord. You do that to glorify and magnify him. You do that because there's a mission field brought around you. You do that, provide for your family. You do that to honor God. But that's not who you are. Who you are is a born-again child of the king. And after the job is over, and whether you get left, whether you got let go at the job or your job changes, your identity in Christ never changes. Why? Because your identity in Christ is not made by you. Amen? It's given by him. So you can't make it. If God took away what you do, would you still know who you are? I want to keep rolling because I know I'm going a little long. 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when you will neither worship, when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We, wor- we know what we worship for salvation is from the Jews. Mm. But the hour is coming, and now, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the, wor- for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Can I ask you a question? I'm going to ask you several, but here's one. Are you trying to worship what you do not know? Y'all need to let that just land on you a little bit. Are you trying to worship what you do not know? Let me ask it a different way. Do you feel like your worship is hollow, empty? Do you look around and go, they seem to be connecting in a way that I'm not connecting. He, he worships different than I worship. She worships from a well that I'm not sure I have. You can't worship what you do not know. If you don't know him, you can't worship him. You can respect him. You can act good in front of him. You can sit up tall in church and don't kick your sister, but you can't worship. You can sing, but you can't worship. In order to worship, you got to know him because worship is a spirit thing. It comes from the spirit that connects to a spirit God. If there's a disconnect between the spirits, you ain't worshiping, you're just singing. If today you're just singing and you're tired of singing, you meet Jesus and you'll be worshiping. I watched a kid at youth camp one time. He worshiped like this for about four years. He got saved one night, I mean radically saved. He was trying to get saved so bad he was throwing up all over himself. I know that's gross, but he was trying to suck it and hold it all in. And I'm telling you, that camp food was everywhere. And the nurse said, we got to send him home. I said, no, we're not sending him home. You're going to send him back into worship. We can't send him back into worship. He got the other kids sick. I said, listen, he ain't sick. He's miserable in his sin, and God's whooping his tail, put him back in worship, and he'll get born again. So they shoved him back into worship. That sucker 
Altar time came. That dude didn't even finish praying yet. That kid is prostrate down here at the bottom of the floor, laying down, face down. He's throwing, he threw up again, laying in it. He said, I just need Jesus. I just need Jesus. That dude got saved. The next night, we got into worship. Dude, he had to take a letter jacket off that he wore to camp. Don't get that. Uh, but he took a letter jacket off so he could worship because he couldn't hold his hands high enough. When the Spirit gets a hold of you and you get born again, you get saved, your worship will change. You can't even control yourself. It rock your world. Verse 26, and we're out of here. I'm going to read 25, and then we'll talk about 26. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Boy, this is funny right here. Y'all don't think the Bible's funny? This is flat funny right here. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, Am he? That's just great. This woman comes to the well, not even wanting to see nobody. And Jesus is at the well. Has a 25-verse conversation with Jesus. Tells Jesus about the Messiah that's coming. He's going to tell her all things. And Jesus says, mm-hmm. And the one you've been talking to at church, that's me. That's me. That's a rut row moment and a heartbeat right there. I who speak to you am he. Can I tell you what's just happening? Just what's just happened over the last 30, 35 minutes? The same encounter that happened at that well is happening right now. It's happening in this room. I know that. I sense that. I see that. You didn't come to meet him but he crawled in your lap this morning. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, met you at your well. He met you at your well today. He's at your well. He's reading your mail. He's just going through your mail. He says, why do you keep trying? You come to church, you look around, you can't figure it all out, but I'm telling you right now, I got living water for you. If you'll come to my living water, you'll never thirst again. Never thirst again. Can I tell you something? If you're an adult, if you're a child, if you're a youth, quit holding on. What are you trying to prove? Come and receive living water today. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask the worship team make their way on up. With your heads bowed and eyes closed. Simple question is, he met you at your well this morning. But the big question is, is what is he saying to you? What's he saying to you? You ever drank from that well? You know living water? You drink that living water, Holy Spirit living in you? Just flooding your body? Are you like the woman? Trying to fill that God void with a lot of stuff. It's just not working. You're miserable. You got a lot of stuff, but you still don't get it. You still, you still just, there's something wrong, something missing. There's something not there, and you know it. Stop and drink this morning. 
if you're sitting here this morning and the Holy Spirit said, we're done looking for a church. We found the church. This church right here, mm, you can meet the king here. You can drink living water here. This is where my family is going to be. You come this morning as well. I'm going to pray for us. And whatever God said to you, you're only held responsible for being obedient to that. And that's it. So let me pray for you. Father, this morning, I want to thank you for your presence. I want to thank you that you brought each of us to the well, our well today. You spoke into our lives today. God, I pray through the Holy Spirit that you, you have spoken and we have answered that. And God, during this invitation time, I pray you give us the guts and the obedience to do what you've called us to do. Be honored now in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 